Hello, everyone, and welcome to the fourth episode of Force Ghosts. Yeah, I know for those of you who are Hoopod fans, that first of all, thank you very much. We absolutely love you, and there will be a Hoopod coming on this channel very, very soon. But this show is going to be Force Ghosts, episode four. And the person I have on this show is one of my favorite people on all of the internets. He's got to be one of the nicest guys. I swear to God, all of our likes are almost identical. Um, he's my Finnish brother from another mother, JP Rickath. Now, on this podcast, it's long, guys. I'll just flat out say it. It's long. JP and I could have talked forever. Uh, we both have a very deep love for Star Wars, and, well, it's it's a long podcast, so I'm not going to pray on anymore. Dive right into it. Force Ghosts, number four with my guest, JP Rickath. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of Force Ghosts. On this week's show, we have a good friend of mine and somebody I admire a lot. JP, please introduce yourself. Well, hello, everybody. I'm JP Rockart, as I'm known on the online world. <laughs> now, JP is somebody who has done a ton of graphics in and around uh, the Human community, the Geek and Thundry community, um, the Basic Adventuring 101 community. Uh, Buffy, he does a web comic, and we'll get into a lot of JP stuff in a little bit. But needless to say, he's a little bit of a genius with with the photoshops. I think that's. I think, I mean, you do a lot of stuff for Kerry Calligan. Um, you've been very kind to me. Uh, you just you do a lot of stuff, dude. Yeah, I have lots of free time and nothing to do, so <laughs> I just tend to put on the Photoshop and start working on it. The work you do is friggin' amazing. Absolutely love it. And um, he's done the Hoopod logo. He's done the Force Ghost logo. Uh, among my Twitch, all my Twitch logoing, he's he's done all that. So JP is about as awesome of a dude as you will find on the interwebs. Um, but let's dive into uh, Star Wars because that's why we're here. Um, yeah. You're a fan artist who's into Star Wars. Has the two worlds ever combined for you? Uh, a little bit. Uh, mostly it's been for or with Geek and Sundry. Right. I did some fan art pics where I combined Geek and Sundry stuff with Star Wars stuff. Yep. And I think I did some pictures for my sister. There's this uh, Finnish singer who she really likes. And he is the singer is a really big Star Wars fan also. So I photoshopped some pictures uh, with his face on Han Solo's body and stuff like that. <laughs> and then my sister told that she had made them and uh, posted them on the singer's Facebook page. Oh, very and nice. I think he saw them and, and then shared them with his other fans. So. That's pretty cool, man. Um, yeah. So the thing he's talking about with the Geek and Sundry logo, at least in my experience, is he created the Geek and Sundry logo on the Death Star, um, and it's it's perfectly seamed. It's my iPad background. It has been for I think two years or something. It's absolutely great. I absolutely love it. Um, how how do you come up with like putting like amalgamating those two wor those two worlds like you have? Huh, I don't know. It's just uh, something again. Too much free time, so <laughs> I tend to think up, think up, think up weird things. And this, these things combined. I think it was about the time when Force Awakens was about to be released. Right. 
and there was something going on with Geek and Sundry about the Star Wars mm-hmm. stuff. I don't know what it was, but I thought about combining those. And the Geek and Sundry logo is round and Death Star is round, so that, that was a natural <laughs> combination. It's, it's absolutely outstanding. I abs- I love the picture. Love it, love it, love it. And it's probably always going to be my background. Um, okay, so let's dive into the Star Wars world, since that's why we're here. Uh, yeah. Tell me about your Star Wars cred. Well, uh, I missed all the original movies in the movie theater. Mm-hmm. Because I was born in 78, so the original movie was already out and I was too young to see uh, The Empire Strikes Back. Okay. And the first movie I saw, well the first movie I saw was, this is one of my earliest childhood memories, it was my older sister watching uh, The New Hope on a rented VCR player. Right. And I saw it, I, I think I was too young to understand the subtitles and lot but I really I don't know something caught my eye about the movie and I, uh, then I saw the lightsaber fight and that was enough for me much I ran outside and took a piece of pipe and started hitting plants outside so. <laughs> the weeds though right not the good plan yeah um, no I the lightsaber battle I think is what cinched it for me too um, like I loved the space battles I loved the interplay between the characters I never I, I mean, I've talked about this in the past. I, I, as a kid, identified with the character of Luke Skywalker, and I never really saw him as the whiny guy that I now see him as, now that I'm an adult and I get these things. But back then, I just saw him as this guy that just, you know, dreamt for bigger things and, and you know, just knew he was destined for more and didn't really understand what that meant or where it was going to take him and, and kind of trapped within his own personal situation. So um, I, I, I just, I gravitated towards him as you know that kind of dream that we all have or you know we we are more than what we are and yeah. um oh i absolutely love that so so you you saw the a new hope on on on, a, on the vcr which i think um a lot of people around our age did for the first time yeah i i was lucky enough to see the original film in the theaters i i don't remember a thing of it but my dad said it's the first movie he ever took me to and i hid under the seat i was so scared um, but I do, but I do remember Empire Strikes Back in the theaters um, very vividly, because the moment the big reveal happened, I went into shock. Like I, it's the first moment I, I can remember in my life where I went into total shock, where I just you know the the rest of the movie played out and I was just like what what happened what what did he say? what what huh what I don't what yes. <laughs> <laughs> And, and for, for years until I was able to see The Empire Strikes Back on, on VCR tape, because, I mean, um, a movie would play in the theaters, but you wouldn't get the VCR version of it for a year or a bit afterwards. Like, it, yeah. it was quite the wait. Uh, and, and, you know, when I finally got to see it again, you know, I, was fi- I, could, I could finally watch those last, you know, 10 minutes or whatever when, you know, Luke's brought back into the Falcon and, you know, Vader's reaching out to him and then the running away and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, I, just, I had no recollection of that my first time because as soon as he said, I am your father, my world just kind of stopped. <laughs> yeah. So how were you on that reveal? Do you remember your reaction? Uh, I don't remember. I think some of my older friends must have seen the movie and told me mm. that Darth Vader was Luke's father. I don't, I don't think it's a spoiler anymore. So, uh, 
So I don't remember actually seeing it and being shocked by it. And I think that I was told that that was the case. A couple of weeks ago, I got to go to Fan Expo and in Toronto here, and Mark Hamill came up and, and he did a you know kind of a panel question and answer thing that it was a ticketed event and I'm like, hey man, this is Mark Hamill, I, I have to do this. So I, I bought a ticket to the panel and it was absolutely outstanding. It was just an hour conversation where he pretty much spoke most of the, the whole time. But um, one of his favorite stories to tell is the fact that David Prowse, who's the actor who plays Darth Vader, not the voice, but the actor, mm -hmm. um, was, is terrible at keeping secrets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to the point where, you know, when, when it came to the big reveal, there was like four people who knew in total. There was George Lucas knew. Um, he told Irving Kirshner and Mark Hamill about three or four hours before they shot the scene. Um, they never told David Prowse. And um, because the, the reason is, is that David Prowse didn't say the line, I am your father. You know, he said something else. And, yeah. and you know, James Earl Jones was the other person who knew because he had to do the, the actual voicing of, of the character. So they go in and they watch the movie, the premiere, all the actors, and then they all come out. Well, David Prowse beelines towards the, the press row, the press row, and basically tells them that you know, it's like I couldn't believe it that I that I'm Luke's father. Like it's the first thing he says to the press. Now, at, apparently, then you know, 20th Century Fox went into like this big kind of, oh my God, we need to quell the press mode, and they were like, guys, please, 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 don't print that. It's so important that you don't print that. It is it is the hugest reveal in this series we're begging you don't and to their credit nobody did not a single member of that press team actually printed that so he's like it, it, you know clearly a different time when you could do that sort of thing and it would work out but he goes just he cannot keep a secret he is terrible at secret keeping yeah i think the line he was told to say was uh, obi-wan killed your father yes that's exactly I it think that that was the fake line. And yeah, I read this uh, making of book and the producers kept track, uh, track of how many things the actors slipped to press. Yeah. And there was like Mark Hamill won, Carrie Fisher won, David Prowse 18. Yeah, <laughs> David like Prowse was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. But um, you know, it, was, it, was, it was just amazing hearing him tell these stories. Um, okay, so... Obviously, you said you grabbed the piece of pipe and you went out and you started beating up on the plants. How 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 really did Star Wars affect your your childhood, your your upbringing? Oh, uh, it was uh, well, it was really really important to me as a kid. I think it was the when I got to um, Return of the Jedi. Yep. And we had two VCR players, so we could. Yep. rent it from the rental place and then record it for us. <laughs> mm -hmm. I did pretty much nothing but watch the movie every day two or three times for months. Right. So I there's a gap in the 80s, like from 85 to 87 or something, where I didn't really watch any of the movies. Right. <laughs> so nowadays people ask me, oh, how you watch the... Um, Scarface. Right. And I'm like, no, I didn't watch it. I kept watching Star Wars movies when I was a kid. So. <laughs> you know, so, so did I. I never watched any of the, the Godfather. I never watched um, just any of the... I mean, this was the other big trilogy of our day was the Godfather trilogy. Yeah. And I, 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 to this day, haven't seen 
all of them. I've seen bits and pieces of each of them, but I've never seen all of them. And uh, yeah, I've only seen the first one. Yeah, <laughs> I don't really have a big desire to, um, which is strange because I generally like you know kind of that older crime type stuff. But uh, I, I just to this day, I don't have any strong desire to watch the Godfather movies. Yeah, there's no lightsabers or stormtroopers in it, so yeah, it's it, not but, worth watching. <laughs> not worth watching. Um, perhaps also maybe a little too real. You know, I, I believe that there are probably things like, you know, I mean, there are clearly mobs in, in our in our world, but, you know, how, how that specific story plays out, I'm pretty sure that that's not too far from what some mobs are like. And, and I'd like to escape. I'm not somebody who likes to, to, to read or watch nonfiction in general, just because I, for me, it's escapism. I need to be able to disappear into a world that, doesn't really exist or you know yeah it's my fantasy so that no, it doesn't matter what happens in it um everything will be okay in real life you know whereas when you see when you read some non-fiction or, or watch some non-fiction movies that are based on real life events you watch these things and like that actually happened or that could actually happen and yeah. i just i end up walking away feeling bad you know whereas i go for an uplifting experience i end up with the exact opposite reaction now, people who can enjoy nonfiction just, you know, I think they, they appreciate for the art, for the work, the, for the awareness, and all those other sort of levels that, for me, are just lost because I, I, I don't. It's not, that's not what the purpose of a movie or, or a good book is for me. So I yeah, like, I like the There's fantasy. enough reality already, so. Exactly. I, want, I, I you know, I watch fantasy and, and, and sci-fi to disappear from reality. Yeah. Okay, so we all have to go through this section of the Force Ghost podcast. What is your take on the prequels? Well, <laughs> I, I think it's no surprise that I didn't really like them. Mm. And there's enough reasons said already, I think, on this podcast that, and elsewhere as to why people don't like them. Well, in, in general, yeah, but your personal experience with them is obviously going to be different. Is, is Was there, like, without getting the generics, like, everybody hates Jar Jar, everybody thought, you know, Jake Lloyd didn't do a great job. Was there anything, one thing that really kind of stuck out that, that bothered you the most, be it one of those two things or something else? Huh, I, it might be the midi-chlorians. Mm. Because there were... I don't like when things are explained to into much detail in movies or books. I think there should be some mystery. So the force should always be this uh, force that penetrates the galaxy and that's it. But now there are some kind of bacteria you can measure and see that, oh, you are 50 points Jedi and you are 150 points Jedi. I, I, didn't, I don't like that. I'm with you. It's almost like if somebody knew that, why wouldn't they just extract midichlorians from a Jedi and inject them into themselves or whatever the case may be? Like yeah. it, if they if they have the means of reading a midichlorian count, then they should have the means of removing them and then injecting them elsewhere. Uh, I, I I'm with you. The biggest issue I had, I mean, with the prequels, a lot of people can go on about the Jar Jars and the Jake Lloyds, but I didn't like the the exposition. There was too much of it. I didn't yeah. like the racial undertone of a lot of things. You know, I mean, you got all the the uh, oh. Oh, the lot dods and all them those stereotypical I can't remember what they're called the trade federation they're, they're very yeah. st stereotypical Asian um, you got you know the Jar Jar character is, is it's, uh, there's, there was a lot of kind of 
hmm, did you really need to do that sort of thing? And I'm not saying that you shouldn't be bringing those cultures into a sci-fi universe, but it just, it seemed like it was a little too over the top for me. And, and between that and the exposition is really what bugged at me. Now, the, the yeah, and uh, the one other thing is the stuff that Jedi's can't fall in love and Jedi's can't marry and have children and stuff like that, that I found really alien and I don't know why George put it there because I don't think it belongs in Star Wars. I agree with you on this one and um, in fact I know to, to a detriment a lot of people disagree with me on this point but I, you know the fact that Jedi's can't you know be in love and all this because it's the emotion that draws that you know would dr- tur- turn a good person bad or you know I, it's, it's I don't like it just because you're basically telling somebody to deny their nature for a higher a higher calling well the whole life they're going to be denying their nature it's not like it goes away you yeah. know you're going to spend your whole life in turmoil and that is going to end up consuming more and more of your thoughts I would think as time goes yeah. on so I agree with you on that one. I, I mean, I understand it's kind of the whole kind of Buddhist monk or, you know, full dedication to my to, to my martial art or something along those lines, which was the basis for it. But I kind of, I've always agreed with you. Like some of my favorite storylines in the uh, Legends universe, which we'll get to later, are ones where Luke Skywalker has a love interest, you know. Yeah. And it's because I want to see the character of Luke have that experience i want him to be happy in that way that i understand happiness so um i am I'm, I'm with you on that i don't like the midichlorians i don't like the exposition and the explanation but i mean that's kind of it's not really explained in the original trilogy per se but it's definitely mentioned in this in this and probably the extended and expanded in legends universes about how you got to be no love for you <laughs> Well, the original trilogy, it was pretty clear that, well, the Luke is Darth Vader's son. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it ever it was ever mentioned that that itself was forbidden in the original trilogy. It True. was just that, I, I think it was something that George made up for the prequels, just to get the attention between the uh, Anakin and Padme and the Jedi Order. Mm. I, in general, I just don't like prequels. And it's nothing, I mean, it just, I know how the story ends, you know. And it's the reason I generally don't read books over again or watch movies over again. I mean, in some cases, Star Wars being one of those cases, I can. But I generally do not like watching a story that I know how it ends. I'm sitting there watching the prequels going, well, yeah, the kid goes bad, end of story. And it's like, yeah. but it's the journey. I don't care about the journey. He goes bad. You know, I'm more interested in the journey of the other characters, which are not the main characters, more than anything else. Like the Obi-Wan, the one thing I did take away from the prequel is I wanted more Obi-Wan. I I will be honest with that. I loved how Ewan McGregor played Obi-Wan. When the comics started up, they have the odd kind of one shot here or there with Obi-Wan on Tatooine. What did he do for all those years while Luke was growing up? And that time frame there is actually one of the few things within the Star Wars universe I'm still very interested in. I mean, I know Obi-Wan's story. He dies. But he goes from an impetuous uh, Jedi who had just, in essence, killed his best friend, Um, takes his best friend's son uh, away from his sister and his dead mother, brings him to a planet, gives him to 
you know, the Larses and just kind of decides to be a hermit for 20 years, 19 years, whatever it was. There's a lot in there in that 18 years that he would have done to strengthen his connection to the Force. You know, I mean, yeah. for those who have watched the um, Clone Wars cartoon, and are you amongst them before? I, I've only recently started watching it. I think I'm on season two or something. Okay. Well, I, I, I won't get too spoilery then, but at some point in the series, the whole art or the, the, the teachings on how to become a Force ghost is, is shown. And this is something that actually has a very interesting path on how it gets learned. And um, needless to say, uh, Obi-Wan would have had to learn it from somebody that was a that was alive. There's only one person who could have taught him. Um, so, I mean, again, I'm trying to be very facetious on this. But uh, <laughs> uh, he would have had to have studied a lot in order to be able to pulled off pull off the force ghosting if you will it's a high high level jedi trick it's not even a trick it's your last act so um it it's 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 one of those things that there is 15 or 20 years of story in there that i want and the comics are giving you little tidbits like it if you if you're reading the comics he's he's kind of fucking around with with job of the hut in a little bit you know so I mean, that's mm -hmm. the sort of stuff that I want to see. I want to see more of that. But in general, I don't need my gaps filled. Like, I don't care how Luke grew up. I don't care about Cammy and Fixer and Biggs and all the shenanigans they got into when they were kids. I really just don't care about that stuff. Because in general, I don't like prequels. If you had to rate your prequels... Um, actually, let's just rate all the movies. Shall we, from your favorite to your least? Okay, well, <laughs> that's easy. It's... One, two, three are the least favorite. Of course, the prequels. And then I think seven, four, five, and six. Six is your favorite. Six is my favorite, but the best movie is Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> you know what? We share that opinion, too. My favorite is Return of the Jedi as well. Empire, as I have grown older, I think is the better piece of art. Um, yeah. and, and I think when I was a kid, it was just because I had such that, that, that the connection with Luke Skywalker that Empire was good, but Empire was the sad movie, right? And how yeah. can I have the sad movie my favorite one? But as you, as you, as you get age and you understand just how great the, the acting was and the dialogue and, and everything involved with Empire, it, was, it is the best of, made of the bunch. But I'm with you. I still like Six better. Yeah, and now that I've read the making of books, uh, the Empire Strikes Back was, it was really hard going when they made the movie. Mm -hmm. They were constantly rewriting the script and filming scenes again, and they, when they were rewriting the script, there was the Lawrence Kasdan who wrote it and the director, and the main cast was involved in coming up with the new, new dialogue. Well, with so the exception... Sorry, with the exception of the Wampa stuff, give us an example, because I think most people know about the Mark Hamill and the, and the motorcycle crash and the Wampa. Um, give us an example of another rewrite that occurred. Uh, let's see. Uh, well, the one I remember is from Return of the Jedi, actually. Okay. I recently... I didn't read the whole 
book yet because the making of books are really really big mm-hmm. but the one of the ideas originally is that uh, Luke and Leia's mother was still alive when oh. she took Leia to Alderaan okay and she lived with her mother there, there and that's why she could say in the, the uh, Return of the Jedi that yeah that my mother was sad yeah. and then she died when Leia was about two and the royal family of Alderaan adopted her. Right. So I think that was that was really interesting. And there were other things like the original story had a planet that was used to build the Death Stars. Right. And there was like eight or seven already finished Death Stars orbiting the planet. Oh boy. And the <laughs> rebel team went in and stole one of the death stars and blew up the planet which uh, did a chain reaction and blew up all the death stars orbiting it oh so the story originally was really different oh and obi-wan actually became physical again and fought the emperor with luke at the end so there was something about i've been waiting in the limbo for this moment and now i'm back and Obi-Wan became physical again. Well, that was also scrapped. I'm glad that people talked him out of those. Um, I mean, for starters, Alec Guinness uh, was was a lot further down the age train when it came to Return of the Jedi. That was <clears throat> that was a good almost ten years after he filmed the original Star Wars. Yeah, actually, most of those were George's ideas to change them. Well, I'm glad he did then. Yeah, there's lots of uh, ac- uh, exact dialogue taken from the... They recorded all the script rewriting sessions. So they are actual quotes from the actual meetings they had. Wow. And I think George was really clever about story back then. But I don't know what happened with the prequels. I think he didn't have enough collaboration with other people. I think that's the main reason for the prequels. I, I kind of agree with you. The prequels were really for him. Um, they were the... They were the exposition that he never got to tell. They were the, you know, the building blocks of the story with the technology he always wanted to use. They were, they were, they were for him. They were, they were his movies that you know everybody craps all over, but he did them his way, and he probably has zero regrets over them. Like when I go back and watch the prequels, which I did, leading into uh, the release of the Force Awakens, they they didn't bother me as much as they have in the past. I guess just because I know the, the parts that really make me cringe when they're coming up, I just kind of go, okay, here it is. But in, ge- in general, um, they don't bother me as much as they used to. Uh, I guess for me... I, go ahead. Yeah, I, I haven't watched them in years and years. When they came out on DVD, I think I watched them then, but I haven't since. Like, I actually don't mind um, the third prequel. Um, and I don't really like two. Two is my least. F- the, the Attack of the Clones is my least favorite um, of the bunch. And one, it depends on the day. There are some days that the first one bothers me a lot, and there's other days where it doesn't bother me at all. And I actually, in some ways, enjoy it. Like I, I don't have a big issue with Jake Lloyd. Like a lot of people have an issue with Jake Lloyd. I'm like, look, he's a kid. He's supposed to be a kid. I didn't like the creepy thing with with. The fact that Padme is clearly a lot older than he is. Um, oh, yeah, that was really creepy. 
and and you know if you're gonna make Jake Lloyd play Anakin Skywalker, get a young actress to play Padme. If you're gonna use Natalie Portman to play Padme in the first one, then age her or do something with her or I don't know. It was is a little bit much for me, and uh, it was too much. It was uh, too bad. Yeah, Mr. I think they started too early with the first movie. They, Anakin yeah. was too young in that one. If you make Anakin like a thirteen or fourteen year old boy. Um, even if you don't cast Hayden, you can you can make it a little bit more believable because you could have you could have made Padme look like she was like a very mature sixteen or seventeen year old, um, mm-hmm. and you know you could have. But yeah, you're right. I think they went too young with with Jake Lloyd, and that's too bad because that would have been an easy fix. But you know, yeah. hind, hindsight's twenty twenty. All right, so let's get into the the big three, the original ones. Um, how do you believe? the original movies the original trilogy shaped the 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 movie industry um how merchandising was done and really the culture of the world yeah i think it's uh, had a major impact on all those things the merchandising alone there really wasn't any merchandising before star wars true there were some t-shirts and movie posters maybe but uh, and some dolls uh, action figures and stuff like that but it was really minor As and it, after star wars it just blew up and now it's everywhere with every franchise i mean I, i've talked on other podcasts um about the merchandising and how much you know it, it meant to me i wanted that millennium falcon more than anything on the planet um growing up and it was just too expensive and too hard to get i had slave yeah. one slave so i would i'd would be able to bring slave one to the the kid's house that had the millennium falcon um, but it was like the figurines. I had lots of the figurines, and I had the Darth Vader head carrying case thing. And um, oh. like e- any time I could save up enough money, I'd go buy a new one. And whenever my dad went to the states, which he would do a couple times a year, he would always bring back you know a couple, and you know I'd get them for Christmas, and and you know just you know returning from his trip and whatnot. And I loved those things. I had a lot of fig, <clears throat> a lot of figures. In fact, I think I had the whole my whole Darth Vader head thing was full. And, uh, yeah, I, I think I've told the story where I came home one day and I was like, oh, yeah, my, my Star Wars stuff. And I opened up the Vader head and there was just one Imperial Guard. Or, sorry, not Imperial Guard. Um, um, uh, oh, God, Hammerhead. Oh, God. Uh, Momana Don. Yeah. And I was just like, where are the rest of them? I was like, oh, I gave them away, some local kid. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> I mean, she did it with my Star Wars. Um, she did it with my wrestling figures. Um, but the one that probably cuts the deepest is she did it with my uh, hockey and baseball cards. Um, and I had a full 1979 hockey card set. Oh, God. And here you are 30 years later talking about it. Yeah, and you know who was a rookie in 1979? <laughs> Some guy named Gretzky. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> so that card alone is about a thousand dollars or maybe even more now Jeez. i don't know but uh yeah so that that one's the one that stung the most was the hockey card collection um even yeah. though i love the star wars stuff okay so yeah um, i didn't have that many star wars toys hmm. when i was growing up i maybe have uh, five action figures okay yeah i got them for christmas and <laughs> one of the things i only recently discovered when I was growing up as a kid, my parents told me there were no toy stores in this little town that I live in. Okay. And uh, the only way to get Star Wars action figures was uh, 
it's like 200 kilometers away, this bigger city, right. south of from here. So I only got the figures maybe uh, for my birthday or, or for Christmas presents. Right, right. And recently I was talking to my friend who also grew up here and told him that it was a shame that there were no toy stores in, in this little <laughs> town when we grew up. He said, what are you talking about? There are no toy stores. When we were kids, there was no big toy stores here. Oh, the department store, Sokos. The whole downstairs was a huge toy store with every single Star Wars toy available. Oh, man. Okay, my, my parents lied to me that there were no toy stores, so I wouldn't pester and beg for them all the time. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, that's unfortunate. <laughs> but in the same breath, you know, you got you to gotta appreciate a, parent, a, a parent's tactic in that area. Um, yep. And the fact that it worked for so long is even more impressive. Yeah, like 30 years. <laughs> Congratulations to your parents. Um, how do you believe Star Wars shaped the culture of the world? Yeah, well, in the Western world, I think it's popular culture changed it a lot. Mm -hmm. Just by bringing these uh, sort of sci-fi adventure movies to the forefront. Now, what was the difference in, in say, Scandinavia than, than, you, than your perception of what happened in, say, North America? Well, I think it's a, a pretty, pretty huge deal here, too. I think it's even more bigger, huger in America, but uh, here it's, it was a major deal, yeah. But unfortunately, we always got the movies to one or two years later here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the VHS, we had to wait for another year or two. So Return of the Jedi was about 1986 movie for us. Oh, wow. Okay. Man, that would have made me 11 instead of 7. Wow. Yeah, it, it changed. Uh, actually, the I think the episode 1 changed that because it was also one of the... one of the, At that time that the movies came, a lot later here, and when the um, episode one was out in America, we had to wait it for six months to 12 oh. months. And that was the time when internet piracy became a big deal. Right, right. So everybody I knew had downloaded the movie somewhere and already had watched it before it even hit the theaters. I, so I, I think that was the movie that changed it, that the movies the, after that became the premieres were at the same time all over the world. Well, I mean, that is a major change to, to, to how the industry is run for, for that. I mean, I never understood it. It's like, why do you have to, well, distribution, like, no, no, work on your distribution deals in Australia, work on them in Finland, work on them in Russia, do them all at the same time. I mean, you have, you have a long time to prepare for this stuff while the editors are editing and the, you know, the actors are, I mean, get your, your ducks in a row. <laughs> this is, this is, this is crap. And I actually really hate it. When I hear that it still happens from time to time, like when they released *The Force Awakens*, I think in Japan or China, it was it was it was at least a week after, maybe even longer, and it was like, oh yeah, well *Force Awakens* is going to get even more money this weekend because what's well, now opening in Japan or China or whatever it was. I'm like, why yeah. aren't they opening on the same time? Come on. Anyway. Well, the Japan and Chinese markets are pretty different. China, especially, they have limits of how many Western movies they can get into theaters. And when Force Awakens premiered, it was the first time that the original trilogy premiered in China also. Wow. They never, never had seen it before other than pirated tapes or something. Wow. That, I actually didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah, it's pretty weird. 
All right. Um, in fandoms in general, because because you know you you clearly have your fandoms and you're you're very dedicated to, to a bunch of them. Have you ever really got caught up in one so deeply that it can you consider it a part of who you are? Yeah, I think Star Wars is one of those. Yeah, I I have never been one of those people who have has to buy everything. I don't have closets full of action figures still, right. but right. it's one of those things that is uh, the dialogue is inside my head all the time and. The Star Wars quotes just sort of flow out of me. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's one of those things that I uh, that's ingrained in my brain. I think Star Wars really manipulated most of my um, brain capacity <laughs> for a long time. Um, yeah. I'm I'm starting to now lose some of it. Which, like, I could sit down with a Star Wars Trivia Pursuit game and and usually beat it on turn one or two. Um, you know, just because I could keep rattling off the answers. Now I think I, it's a little bit longer than I'm starting to lose some of the kind of detailic, or detailic, is that a word? The detail level knowledge. Like, I was never able to say, well, how many guns are on the Millennium Falcon? I don't know. You know, yeah. but, but if you ask me about a specific character that's very obscure, yeah, I probably know a lot of those answers. Um, but beyond Star Wars... And it's funny because the the only other thing in my life I've really thrown myself that much into is is like Team Hooman, um, where you got you have this this amazing community on the internet, and uh, I mean for those of you that are listening to this you probably see all the hoop pods that are also on here, um, on the same feed. But I just this community brings me so much passion and joy in my life that it's the only other kind of fandom I've been caught up in, like the, the if you will the. The, the Felicia Day machine and, and everything that's kind of occurred around her. Um, and I just, it, I, I consider it a deep part of who I am now, too. Yeah. It's uh, really awesome how Felicia Day can create these online communities. From Team Human and before that, the Geek and Sundry vloggers yeah. and all the fans around that. Yeah, I really miss those vloggers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Um, all right, so we, we've done the rating of the original movies. Um, who are your favorite character, or who's your favorite character, or your favorite characters within the, the whole realm of Star Wars? Uh, well, I think I have to be boring and say Luke. Nothing boring about that. <laughs> yeah, but the, the, I think the Ray is gaining on Luke. We, we have a very similar brain on this. Like, I honestly, I have Luke and Ray as my top two. Um, yeah. Yes, they're the two main characters. I get that. But um, Ray has the potential to be better in, in my brain. Um, it yeah. really depends on what they do with her and, and, you know, how Daisy plays the roles through the next little while. But she really, I think, has the ability to become my favorite character. She's my favorite fe uh, female fictional character, period, in a story. Um oh. And uh, I, I was asked that question at Fan Expo. I did an uh, on-camera interview. It was uh, super geeked up. And they asked me who my favorite uh, female uh, character is. And I was just Ray. It's easy. Ray. <laughs> yeah, she's up there. For me, it might be Ripley from Aliens. Mm. Another good one. Um, but yeah, I mean, and I, most people, most of my friends identify with Han Solo. And that's cool. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I totally get that. I didn't appreciate Han Solo's wit and banter until I got older, um, mm -hmm. and I think that's why The Empire Strikes Back is, is gaining favor in my head, because 
I'm really appreciating how how very good Harrison and and Carrie played those roles through yeah. um, throughout you know the Empire Strikes Back. And if I was older, I would have probably appreciated it more back then too. But uh, uh, yeah, I'm still a Luke Luke guy. But yeah, Ray's Ray's nipping at his heels. All right, so let's talk about some stuff outside of Star Wars, shall we? Um, so you like Rush? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am a massive... Oh, actually, one of those things that is ingrained in me is absolutely the music of Rush. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things that I found a band when I was maybe 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. And I've been a rabbit fan ever since. I don't think there has been a week in my life that I haven't listened to a few Rush songs. The Holy Trinity. Um, yeah. So Rush is, for those who may not know, Rush is actually a Canadian rock band from, I'm going to say the 70s, you'll know better than I do. Yeah, the first album came out in 74. 1974. Um, and now, the last one was, I think, 2011. Mm-hmm. And then they went on one final tour, and now they are considered retired. Right. But that's a question mark after that. So they might still do another record or something. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, now, the little, the, the few little ties I have to Rush. Um, the first is my wife's uncle went to school with Geddy Lee. Um, oh. <laughs> for those who don't know, Rush is a Canadian uh, rock band, and um, the 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 way the Canadian airwaves work is that we have to play. I think it's ten or fifteen percent of our content must be Canadian on the at least the radio. Um, it might be higher, might be lower. I don't know if that number's right. Um, but because of that, you know, for a while, there weren't a lot of Canadian um, bands or singers that were very popular on the world stage, and Rush was one of them. So we've heard a lot about Rush in the, uh, um, over the years. One of my yeah, favorites. I bet. So, um, so that, that's the first thing. The second thing is Getty Lee, I think, is a massive um, baseball fan. Yeah. And like he he's he owns a lot of uh, like signed merchandise and uh, he's a big fan of our local team here in Toronto. Uh, he's I think he's even he's done he I've been to a few things where he's donated like signed baseballs and, and, and just he has like this incredible amount of 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 memorabilia. Uh, and you probably yeah, talked more about this. Yeah, there was, I, I don't remember the name, but there was some league in the early 1900s of something like that. And he collected a lot of baseball, signed baseballs, mm-hmm. and baseballs used in those games and collected them for years and years. And I think he don- donated them all to some museum in Toronto. Yeah, he's he, he's given a lot back. We see him doing a lot of you know local charity work in and around the city which is really cool I, I you know seeing somebody like that give back um you know he obviously had a great career uh and and and, and yeah I, I i've always appreciated um getty and 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 the, and the whole band of rush they they highlight them in that one um, movie with jason siegel and paul rudd and uh, they, they they idolize the band i can't remember it's like i love you man or something like that i love you man yeah that's the movie so uh, and Getty, Getty actually shows up on the uh, the stereotypical Canadian Christmas album, um, the Strange Brew Christmas album. So, if for the, for those of you who don't know what Strange Brew is, it's the, where the whole kind of hoser and a and all those stereotypes 
really kind of hit the the forefront. You know, we had a video um, show here called SCTV, very akin to Saturday Night Live, um, except it was scripted and you know filmed and whatnot. Uh, and it had a lot of really big names in the Canadian comedy scene that hadn't really made it big in the U.S. You had John Candy, Martin Short, Eugene Levy, Joe Flaherty, Andrea Martin, um, Rick Moranis. Like there was a lot of big names that were doing the show, but uh, and Dave Thomas. But Rick and, and and Dave basically had to fill a time slot, and they didn't know what to do. So I can't remember which one of them pitched it, but like, well, let's just go out there and be over-the-top stereotypical Canadians so they winged it for the first episode where they just sit down they were like in parkas and toques and you know they have a big you know map of Canada behind them and all these kind of stubby beer bottles and they just act like hosers <laughs> I don't know how else to say it but um, this the skit was so popular they spun it into a movie um, and, and I'll be tying it back into Star Wars in one second here because the villain in the movie is Max von Sydow who is oh the character at the beginning of The Force Awakens that, um, you know, has the fragmented map of Luke Skywalker. So, um, yeah, it's a crazy journey. But, yeah, so Rush, they did a Christmas album where they did the 12 Days of Christmas, which was really the 12 Beers of Christmas. And Getty, okay. Lee, Getty Lee was singing on that with them. Uh, so you're also, like myself, not only a Star Wars fan, but a Star Trek fan. Like, we could, you could be both of them at the same time. How dare we? Oh, shock, shocking. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't really understand the sort of competition, artificial competition between Star Wars and Star Trek. Agreed. I think they are the same coin, but the other side. I agree. I absolutely agree. They are two different views of science fiction. I Star Wars is fun and exciting, but I kind of hope the world turns out more like Star Trek. <laughs> I'll be honest. Yeah. I, I, I kind of find it to be where I hope humanity gets to um now in terms of trek what are what are your favorites which which ones do you prefer uh, the next generation is one of my all oh, my all-time favorite but i think voyager is close second god it's like, like you're in my brain like these are the same answers that i give next gen number one voyager number two for me and yeah. a lot of people pan voyager and i don't understand that i loved voyager like a lot yeah i think it was good and it was one of those shows that uh, well the crew was thrown in a difficult uh, difficult position yeah uh, in 20,000 light years away or whatever it was or 70,000 and they had no support of the federation anymore but they still tried to uphold the values of, of the federation and I think that was really good that, it, that they didn't sort of regress to barbarians or something I really appreciated it, um, just just for the interplay between the the people where they were working together, but they all kind of still had their own original alliances. But they were they were doing their best to kind of work as a, a cohesive unit under the Federation laws, if you will, because that was what Janeway was enforcing. Terrible situation yeah. for any captain to have been in. Um, yeah. I did not personally enjoy that they had to bring in Jerry Ryan. Now, don't get me wrong. Jerry Ryan was very easy on the eyes, and she played her role well. I have no, no issue with her as a human being or an actress, but I did not like that they had to bring in the, her character to, to get a couple more years out of the show because they needed some sex object. Um, that bugged me. 
Yeah, well, they could have hired anybody to play Seven of Nine. Exactly. So, exactly. I don't know. Was the choice simply based on her looks and to get some more male viewers to the show and put I, her in really tight uniforms all the time? You, you know, I mean, you made a you made a strong point. Anyone could have played Seven of Nine. They could have brought in somebody who wasn't as physically attractive as Jerry was, and could have probably done a very similar. Um, job in the acting perception of thing. Like, I liked the character, I liked the arc, I just didn't like the fact that they, they brought her in and over-sexualized her. Um, because that was not what that universe was about for me. You know? Yeah. And, um, again, no, no knock on Jerry Ryan. I think she did a great job with Seven. I think she um, played the character very, very well. And, and as an actress, she deserved an opportunity to play that role. She, uh, that role. Mm. She, it's not her fault she looks like how she does. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I did not like the overlying tone because they, they did it in, in when they tried to do Enterprise. You know, they brought in that Vulcan girl with, with the big chest. And oh yeah, it's like come on guys. Yeah, and I think the Enterprise was even more sort of sexualized because they had that chamber, de- detoxification chamber, whatever it was called, and they were all in skimpy clothes or naked there. And right. yeah, I think they took it to another level <laughs> level on Enterprise. And, and, you it's know, actually one of the Star, Star Trek shows I don't like. Enterprise. Yeah, and and see, and I really wanted to because I like Scott Bakula a lot. Like Quantum Leap is yeah. one of my all-time favorite shows. And yeah, me too. when I'm like, okay, he's two in Star Trek. This is going to be good. Oh, it's back in the Frontier days. Oh, we're prequeling again. Oh, maybe not. And then I watch it. I'm like, oh, guys, come on. You know, I mean, you're not even trying anymore. This is all about sex, and that's not what Star Trek's about. I'm sorry. Yeah. Even the title song to the show was a real big disappointment. Yes, yeah, having one that isn't you know the the one that we've heard on all the others. Um, okay, I don't know what Star Citizen is. Enlighten me. Oh, it's this. Uh, how should I explain it? It's this upcoming upcoming game. It's made by Chris Roberts, who made the uh, Wing Commander games. Okay. Yeah. For. Amiga, Atari, and uh, I think PC back then. They, okay. are, they are the old 16-bit games. Right. And now when Kickstarter became a thing, he decided that he's going to create the best uh, space combat simulator he can. Right. And put it on Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And I think he wanted $2 million to make it. And after that, he could get more investors in and make the actual game. Right. And he, they crowdfunding campaign ended with 6.5 million I think it was wow and after that he kept the crowdfunding going so you could buy better ships for the game just to support the game development right right and at the moment it has 121 million dollars jeepers holy (laughs) shit so after he got 20 million dollars he said that that's it I don't need any investors anymore you guys are my investors so this game will be a triple A indie game from now on. That's amazing. And yeah, with that money, he could basically put in absolutely everything he wanted to the game. So it's no longer just a Wing Commander style combat simulator. He calls it the first person universe now. Wow. So it's it's basically pretty much all your Star Wars fantasies you can hope for in a game. Holy crap. That sounds amazing. I, I, when is this thing due out? 
uh, well, it's the the alpha is out now, so you can pay. I think it's forty bucks or something, and get a ship and get the game. Is this a and board game or a video game? It's a video game. Ooh, okay. And basically, you play a character, first person, person in a big universe. Wow. And you have a ship, you can run inside the ship, and if you have a multi-crew ship, you can ask your friends, hey, maybe you can come sit in the turret and let's go flying. And when your big ship takes damage, one of your friends can jump out of the seats and go fix it or go to the other turret. It's it's really spectacular. And this is an alpha. And I, and I presume yeah. you were you were one of the backers? or Yeah, I was one of the early backers. So that's, been following the... that's why you got the alpha access. Nice. Yeah, and the to accompany the online portion of the game, there's only also going to be an offline sort of Wing Commander style one player campaign. Right. That's called Squadron Forty Two. Okay. And it's uh, I don't know if you have played the Wing Commander games before. Um, I think I played one of the original ones. Um, I remember, I think, the TV show, too, with Mark Hamill? <laughs> it was a movie. Oh, it's in a movie? Okay. All right. But Fair. Mark Hamill wasn't in that. Mark Hamill was in The Wing Commander 3 and 4, I think. Okay. Which were the first CD-based games, and they had real cutscenes with real actors playing in the cutscenes. That was a big, big deal back then. I think they also had um, a TV show, and I think Mark was on the TV show. And the reason why I remember this because there was remember I'm not well I'm speaking from a North American perspective. We had a show called uh, Bloopers, and it was basically Dick Clark would sit down with Ed McMahon and they would show all these bloopers that were from everybody's favorite shows. Instead of everybody releasing a blooper reel, rather on YouTube or on a DVD, they would mm. send them to the show and then the show would collaborate all the best ones and then do specials every once in a while. Well, there was one where it was in Wing Commander. And they're doing this super serious scene, and and Mark Hamill is playing, like a like a commander of some regard, and this actor comes in to do the scene with him, and I guess doesn't realize who Mark Hamill is until he sees his face. Mark does his line, and he's staring at Mark. He goes, "You're Luke Skywalker," <laughs> and then Mark <laughs> cracks, and then they have to reshoot the scene. But uh, I remember that. But I did. I think I've played some of the Wing Commander games. I can't say that. I was a big aficionado of them, but I do remember at some point sitting down and playing them. I was never very good at simul simulators in general. Yeah, and I think it's uh, they were more popular in Europe, I okay. think. Because if you look at the backers now, the biggest player group in Star Citizen, there's million, million, one million backers in the game at the moment. Wow. And, and the largest number of them are German. Oh, very cool. And Americans are second. Well, I'm going to be checking this out because you just described something that I think I want to be a part of. <laughs> so, I might yeah, have I could send you a few YouTube videos. They had the, uh, what was it called? Gamescom was about right. a month ago. Yeah, okay. And they had a big, big reveal and big video there where, where they showed how the uh, Persistent Universe works in the game. Oh, and the single-player campaign it also has actors. Mark Hamill is in it. Gillian Anderson. Wow. Uh, Andy Serkis, and a couple of actors from Game of Thrones. 
Oh. And some other famous people I can't remember now. Well, they have 121 million <laughs> at the moment, so well, they yeah. are putting it into good use. God, I'm 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 loving the sound of this guy more and more. By the, the, the oh, okay, I got it. Star Citizen, you, you got me. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so country. Buffy. So now you you're you're aware of this, um, but for those who may not be, I didn't start watching Buffy till about two years ago when um, study, Sunnydale Study Group which is a podcast hosted by three friends of ours, Omar Najam, Chris Bermonte, who's been a guest on the show, and uh, Holland Farkas, started going through each episode of Buffy and kind of breaking it down, talking about it and relating it to real-life experiences. So I'm like, you know what? I've, been, I've watched everything else Whedon has done, literally everything else, except for Buffy and Angel. So let's, let's close that gap. So I started watching Buffy, and I was immediately drawn into it. I mean, it's, it's not as... Like, I was, I think I was more concerned, but by the time I discovered Whedon, I was like, do I want to watch a show about a teenage girl? And, yeah. you know, you know, there were times when I was watching it, and my wife would come home, and she's like, you're, you're watching a high school drama. I'm like, no, just the section is a high school drama, but most of the rest of it is they're kicking ass and fighting vampires and other related baddies. Um, Angel, she never said that at all, of course, because that was a whole other kind of feel to that, to that show. But, um... Uh, hold on. Oh, Malfoy, what are you doing? Sorry, my cat just needed to be on my lap. Um, but uh, what was your experience with Buffy? Oh, I started watching it when it first came on Finnish television. I think it was 99 or 2000. Mm -hmm. couple of, a couple of years after it premiered in US. Right. And because it's a weird show, it's... It's sort of like aimed at teenagers, but it has lots of violence and dark and scary stuff. So the Finnish television never really figured it out. So it was on Friday night starting at 11 p.m. Oh, okay. So it didn't really have that many viewers. So they stopped showing it after three years. Oh, no. And then the Swedish television that we get because we live on the... I live almost on the Finnish Swedish border here. Okay. Swedish television also started showing Buffy the Vampire Slayer and the same thing happened. They only showed three seasons of it because they couldn't figure it out. Right. It was a show for teenagers, but too dark and too scary. Mm -hmm. So the first day that internet piracy became a thing, I downloaded every single episode. That's about 15 years ago or something. So um, and I been that was the first binge watch I ever had. I think I downloaded all seven seasons and watched them basically did nothing else for a couple of weeks uh, oh my god oh, sorry cat is on my computer nope 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 you do not get to do that a um, couple other things about Buffy that that I know of um, how have you been enjoying the podcast for starters the Sunny Little Sunny group yeah yeah you're, you're oh yeah I've been watching every episode and creating fan art for them about the stuff they talk about. Well, it, they could even predict your fan art now. I mean, it, it could be the fact that they're predicting it is creating it, but I think even Colin's like, JP's so going to do this, and then you totally did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of neat. Um, but uh, you also yourself have a webcomic. Oh, yeah. I started it about a year ago. It's uh, combining my two favorite TV shows, X-Files and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Hmm. Because they are 
sort of similar in themes. The Buffy has lots of horror and uh, monsters and X-Files too. So I made a little webcomic by cutting out the actors from both shows mm-hmm. and pasting them together in Photoshop. And, and it works. The, the, yeah, okay, thanks. The case is that Mulder and Scully find out something weird about Sunnydale uh-huh. and go there to investigate and then they meet the study group and other people from the town. It's 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 a great mashup and it's not something that I would have put together but when as soon as you 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 mentioned it I started looking at it, I'm like of course the FBI would go like yeah the fact that you know the, the the kind of one suspension of belief for me when I watch Buffy is the fact that there isn't any federal government um, influence with the exception of maybe um, that uh, oh god I don't even remember what they were called the um, initiative initiative thank you. Um, that whole crappy storyline, <laughs> but you know they they introduced a new uh, love interest for Buffy uh, when they yeah. spun when they spun out Angel, and uh, he he was brought in through this initiative program, and um, it was not very good, and at least in my opinion, everybody's got their own opinions, but uh, um, <coughs> but I always just wondered. Like, how can all of this death happen in, for, you know, at least three years, nobody shows up, like, x file <laughs> So Yeah. And it would it would make sense that the people they send is Mulder and Scully because the cases are so weird. In for Sunnydale. sure. For sure. All right, talk to me about Game of Thrones. You like both the books and the movies. Um, what's your experience with it? Yeah, I started watching the TV show when it premiered. I wasn't sure if I'm going to like it after a couple of episodes, but I kept watching and it was the first season final episode that really sold the show to me. Mm. And after that I realized that the books has had been translated into Finnish recently. Ah. So I started reading them after I had seen maybe, I think it was after I had seen three seasons of the TV show, I started reading the books. Well, for the first little bit the shows are actually pretty pretty honorable to, to the written literature um, yep. and it doesn't really start to deviate until um, I mean dramatically there, there's there's the whole Sansa storyline like Sansa in the book is really still quite quite a useless character um, <laughs> and, you know she's had very little thing going on in her life there's no marriage to the bastard or any of that sort of stuff in the books um, yeah. and and uh and I think Brianna Tarth has got some better stuff in, in, in the TV show as well, which I'm okay with that one just because you have Gwendolyn Christie, who is an incredibly amazing actress, um, and, and to being able to expand that role I think is great. And, and no disrespect to, um, oh, I can't remember her name, Sophie Turner, and, and you know expanding the role of Sansa, but... Sansa's character is serving a very specific purpose in 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 the show and, and, and there's a similar character in the um, Narnia series where it, I think it's the sister at one point the older sister she's just she doesn't want to go back to Narnia anymore because that's stupid and all she wants to do is you know look pretty and, and date boys and just a comment on you know society and that very specific archetype of girl and I think that's that's what Sansa's role was in Game of Thrones is she's a princess. She's the one that was, you know, being brought up to marry into royalty and, and that's really the purpose of her whole life. And yeah. um, they, they tried to do more with her 
because I mean I get why from from an actor's perspective I totally understand but um, I don't need a book and a and a visual representation to be different but uh, or the same story I don't mind if they're different but I think if you deviate in certain directions literally just for shock value that's what I have a problem with yeah I think the some of the changes have been good I find it interesting when the show deviates from the original original material mm -hmm. simply because it's more interesting to see another side to the same story almost. right right but yeah there are some things that are pretty crappy that they did in the TV show yeah I the, the whole sense and the bastard like I stopped watching after the red wedding um, the TV show personally I, I read the books and I'm eagerly awaiting the sixth book um, five more years is my guess yeah well yeah um, so hopefully hopefully we'll get that within a calendar year we'll see but um, I'm not holding my breath um, the red white wedding in the book when I was reading uh, Storm of Swords, I believe the book's called something yep. of sorts. And a buddy of mine says, "You're." He goes, "When you read this story, you're going to get a section, and then the second book or third book, whatever it was, I think it was third book, where you're going to be really mad." And I was like, "Oh no, this will be fine. They're they're saying bad words. It's fine. I get it." And then the red wedding happens, and all of your heroes pretty much die in, you know, three mm -hmm. pages, and it was just kind of like, "What the." F He's like my buddy's like I literally threw the ball the book against the room and left the room and I and I you know it, it, he had to calm down. I'm like I was angry, but I didn't throw the book. <laughs> yeah, I almost threw the book. And it's sneaky how George does it. It it's not it's almost like it starts in the middle of a sentence. Yeah. The, it, you can't predict it from the previous uh, sort of lines that oh something dramatic is about to happen. It just starts and then they all die. It's like you got Catelyn sitting there saying, "Can we please have salt? Can we please have salt? like or whatever it was," and then yeah. you, and then they go, "Okay, yes, fine. Here you go." And then as soon as they get they give it to her, it's like, "Okay, by the rules of their society, they're fine now." So you, as a reader, yeah. take a breath, and then within you know three or four words later, Rob's dead, Catelyn's dead. Um, you know, I don't I don't remember if they killed Rob. They didn't kill their. Rob's new wife they kept her as a prisoner right. I think yeah they didn't kill the wife and I don't think they killed his, his dire wolf in the book either or if they did it was very kind of slightly mentioned like not really I think mentioned. they did kill their dire wolf because they sent the belt to Joffrey oh you're right you're right thank you but um, certainly not in the gruesome manner they showed on the TV show and yeah. and you know the killing of Rob and, and Catelyn and, and, and then the wife um, I didn't like the wife, and I certainly didn't like how gruesome the, you know, I can't even remember his dog's name, or his direwolf's name. It's not, it's not Summer. I don't think that's I don't think that's his. Grey Wind. I don't remember remember at all. But it's not Ghost. It's not Summer. Yeah, it's um. Anyway, it, anyway, it was or or Lady. Lady was was Sansa's. Um, yeah. I think Summer was Bran. Yeah, I think so. But anyway, so they they the brute the brutal killing. Of of Rob's direwolf, and that was it for me. I mean, I'm a, I'm an animal lover. You may have heard my cat coming in and out and meowing at me throughout the course of this podcast. Um, but yeah, that that was that was much. Um, when I heard they were doing 
the the you know the bastard and the rape scene i was like you, you don't create a rape scene that doesn't pre-exist just for ratings you know come on man um I, so i have no interest personally in the tv show anymore um okay i think that, the sixth season now that has gone beyond the books yeah and has that been, no spoilers but it it was one of my favorite seasons of the tv show so here's my thing with the sixth season and i can't fault the showrunners in any capacity at all um they were going to do their stuff they knew they're beyond the books and mm -hmm. they were kind of off the rails so all right we're going to invent our own stuff going our own way fine no problem i have no problem with you doing that you're no longer tied to this other thing you're your own entity separately that's fine go do your thing and then george R. R. martin comes out and says oh yeah i saw what they're doing i'm doing the same thing that is what i had a problem with <laughs> oh really george admitted that the tv show will spoil his books and so i tried and very unsuccessfully i might add to not hear any plot from this season but yeah it's everywhere it's impossible to avoid the spoilers anymore it was like i, I haven't watched a single episode I, I anytime anyone tried to talk about game of thrones around me i shut them down but the memes the posts hell i was watching the oscars last week is like oh look Jon Snow, so happy they brought you back. I'm like, yeah, I can't even get past the Oscars, right? I yeah. mean, in, in the books, he's stabbed, but you don't know if he's dead or not. So George yeah. might not actually kill him. Who knows? But um, it's... It, oh, just, it bothered me that he admitted that the show was spoiling. Like, even if it's true, even if it's to the letter true, don't admit it. Just write your, yeah. write your story and let people figure it out. I mean... If, if he may kill Hodor, I don't know. Um, he may have Jon Snow come back. I don't know. I mean, Lady Stoneheart is not even in the TV show unless they brought her yeah. in six. I don't know if they did that, but I mean, that's a... one of the characters I really miss from the TV show. TV so, show. for those of you who are just TV show fans who don't know who Lady Stoneheart is, is um, we have a character that's that's killed who comes back to life that is you know a, a stark i'll just say it it's it's catelyn stark catelyn stark yeah. com comes back to life same way that you know the, the the priest has been bringing other people back but uh she, she's got a chip on her shoulder <laughs> she's not happy yep. and and the last she's book, a little bit mad at what happened at the wedding yep little mad and uh the last act that she did in the books to this point is she had brienne of tarth hung in a tree now yep. again, again, you don't know if Brienne's dead or not, but she's been placed in a tree. So not having Lady Stoneheart in this, and and there was, a, and I know there was at least one logical reason, and that was because the actress that played Catelyn uh, had to, basically had a role on Twenty Four. Okay. <coughs> yeah, me. that that might be one of the reasons. But so I was that, really hoping that the one of the season enders for the TV show would be the reveal uh, reveal of. Latest on hot. Well, and I and I hope so. I mean, they said they're doing one more season of the TV show, and and the actress is now no longer doing twenty four. She probably could have been in up season six, to be frank. But um, you can bring her into seven. You can obviously do what you want with her because those books are nowhere near being written. Um, so I don't know. I that, that'd be a smart idea, I think. But now we're yeah. Getting, we're now we're getting into a bit of a Game of Thrones podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Um, so movies in general, you you have a love for movies. Um, yeah, big fan of movies in general. I have a somewhat large DVD collection and Blu-ray collection, and I 
even have some HD DVDs. But yeah, I've been always big fan of movies, and Star Wars movies are my favorite movies. So something we are both big fans of, um, Cougarpedia. Oh yeah, <laughs> I actually got so, to be on it. It was wonderful. <laughs> yeah, they stopped it. I think it's a. Uh, a year ago. Now our viewers or listener, listeners will be confused at what we are talking about. So Cougarpedia, um, basically when the Geek and Sundry vloggers were disassociated from the Geek and Sundry channel, um, basically they decided to go in the Twitch direction as opposed to the, the vlog. So all the vloggers were in essence let go. There was, there was a couple that left before, um, you know, by, by their own means. Being, you know, Katie Sato left before and and Scott Tumulty left before. But um, for the most part, they all kind of did their vlogs right up to the end, and they, they didn't want to really stop doing what they were doing, so a lot of them banded together and had these hangouts called the Cougarpedia Hangouts, where they would just do Google Hangouts, and they would just talk to people and, and have like this, this grand old time. Um, Omar Najam, more or less, I think, kind of was the driving before, force behind a lot of it, but not necessarily. Um, you know, Paul Mason ran a few of them and on my 40th birthday I was literally at home and I'm like, well, it's during the week what am I going to do? And I was just kind of hanging out and I got a I got a, a text message from Paul, he's like, hey would you want to be on tonight's Cougarpedia? And I'm like, yeah yeah, that sounds like mm. fun <laughs> so so I uh, I put on, you know, my 40th birthday hat that I'd gotten and, and uh, on I went, so that was, that was a lot of fun and I I they, they, they're, they're a big fandom of mine and I kind of want uh, them to reunite I think a grand plan I have and, and I have no idea if I'll ever be able to pull it off is to try to get a bunch of them to do a hoop pod um, at the same time and I, I've, I've kind of teased I said hey Paul why don't you guys just reorganize under a different banner and just you know you guys do your own things but I think a lot of them at the time needed some distance from from, from the whole thing and it, it's been about a year since, you know, regular content was coming out via Cougarpedia or just, you know, vlogs in general. We've had some stuff from Kiri. Um, you know, most of the rest of them, I think, have stopped doing videos for the time being, but they're, they're not putting the nail in the coffin by any measure. It's just, you know, they needed a break. Yeah, and the Cougarpedia hangout was more casual. Yeah. They were just discussing about what geeky things they had done in the previous week. Right. So, but they, yeah, they stopped that too. I think it's been a year since the last episode, but I've been tweeting at them uh, every two months or so, asking for the return of Cougar Video. I'll keep on it because I, I, I miss it too. I used to love doing it. Now that Hangouts on Air is gone, so there's got to be another medium to do it. I guess it's YouTube Live or I, I got I to gotta play with YouTube Live. I, I, before I start, you know, booking people to do and use it as a tool, I need to just kind of mess around with it a little bit to see what the differences are. Because I actually liked Hangouts on Air, personally. I just, you know, with Periscope and Facebook Live, I think they just wanted to, you know, ha have their... <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> have their own tool that does the same thing. So, um, yeah. So, uh, RPGs and, and Critical Role. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, RPGs has been one of my main hobbies since I was 11, I think. And I've been playing and DMing them 
ever since. There's been a gap in the previous years simply because there's no time and my old friends have moved all around the world and Finland so it's harder to get a group together. Have, so you, th- have you seen Stranger Things yet? Yeah. How did, was that nostalgic at all for you to see the, those kids playing and, and and you know having you know a child as a DM like I I've the very few Dungeons and Dragons I've seen I've actually never seen a young kid actually GMing or DMing um, so that was kind of interesting for me to see for the first time. Yeah, and it was it was like that pretty much screaming and yelling and throwing dice all over the room as I remember it. <laughs> When you are 11, you are not pro- uh, really smart or sort of skilled to run a game, but it was fun nevertheless. Yeah, pretty cool. Now, I know you've just marathoned Critical Role. Yeah. And did you watch this past week's episode? Yep. So I you have the feels? I saw it last <laughs> night. <laughs> oh, holy crap. <laughs> it was. I started watching it after I came back home from work and I ate and started it. Uh, in uh, during the evening time so it was about one o'clock at night when I stopped it <laughs> I was like shaking shaking <laughs> yeah that, that that's a big one to end at one in the morning um, um, for those who who don't know about the plot of, of critical role or what critical role is give us give us a little synopsis on what's going on well it's a bunch of nerdy voice actors playing D&D together I think that's how they sell it Basically, it's it's that, but it's a lot, uh, so much more because it's D and D, but it's also actors playing the characters, so they really really get into the characters. Mm-hmm. And the D- DM that they have, Matthew Mercer, is probably one of the best DMs there is in the world. Really, really awesome at creating worlds and improvising. Mm-hmm. So it really real feels like a real world that the players can affect and do anything inside the world. Matt Mercer, for those who who need like a video game tie-in, like these as JP mentioned, these guys are voice actors. Matt Matt Mercer is the voice of McCree from Overwatch. He's the the uh, voice of the hunter character in in Hearthstone. He's done a bunch of uh, World of Warcraft voices. Um, so this this is a voice you've heard a few times, to say the least, and then and that's just. Uh, that's just a little nuance of it. There is a, a member of the cast who's actually on a, I would say, a hit TV show right now um, in, in, in Ashley Johnson, who, for those of us my age and, and JP's age, might know from Wonder, or not Wonder Years, uh, Growing Pains. She plays Chrissy Seaver back in the day, and she, she's on Blindspot right now as the, uh, as the uh, scientist who, I watched the show and her name is eluding me right now. Uh, I never watched Blind Spot, so I don't know. Oh my God, I can't believe I blocked I blocked out her name, her character's name. Uh, but she plays the scientist. Basically, she's the tech scientist on the show, and she is like a, an uber hacker, and um, and she plays the I think she's the paladin or the cleric on the show. Uh, on Critical Role. Yeah. What's what's uh, yeah cleric no cleric. Yeah, so Pike is, is her character on the show, but because she's filming this TV show, she has to disappear for blocks at a time. But she still catches it every week, and um, as somebody who, you know, is, is a fan of hers, I'd say through Blindspot first for me, um, which is, again, why I can't remember the name. Patterson. Patterson's her character's name, last name. 
um, is is you know she actually brought her character a little bit into the show. So this is like one of the biggest shows on TV right now in North America, Blind Spot, and um, there's a little interplay where a guy was kind of trying to figure her out and says, oh, you know, here, here, you know, here's your kind of, here's a D&D type thing for you. And she's like, oh, I'm, I'm more of a paladin myself, you know, sort of idea. Yeah, yeah. So she even did a throwback to, to her critical role castmates within network television. Um, but she was... Yeah, and I think she had the critical role mug on her desk in Blind Spot a few oh, episodes. Yeah, she might have actually, that's actually true. And, um, you know, last night's show or this week's show, um, one of the characters dies and um, a lot of people are very upset about it and, you know some lashed out at, at Matt Mercer or at uh, Ad Mercer it's Matt Matt Mercer um, yeah. and most people are defending him especially if you've ever GM'd you ever DM'd yeah. you cannot have a world with no consequences no it's not his fault and also the show normally in D&D and fantasy role playing games in general resurrection is somewhat common so right. if somebody dies it's usually not that big of a deal mm-hmm. you have some cleric or somebody who can bring them up and that's it but in critical role the matt has the dm has changed the rules so you have to perform this really difficult ritual mm-hmm. to attempt to resurrect somebody mm-hmm. so it's not straight and easy and also the cleric <laughs> was not available in that episode so she's like thousands of miles away from where the thing happened and as the actress is filming in 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 new york (laughs) literally and figuratively but um ashley apparently watched the show and was very upset (laughs) on twitter she's like oh no (laughs) pike (laughs) why are you i I can't follow them on twitter anymore because (laughs) there's so many spoilers when the show airs i can't watch it live but What's it after it is? Right, so that I, that's why I wanted to make sure that you'd seen this week's episode. So it's it's yeah. I I watch a lot of people live tweet it and the emotions that people talk about on my timeline. Like I I I, I, I join when I can, and, but if I'm joining Critical Role, I have to moderate because because that's the night where the <coughs> sorry the moderators are all all hands on deck. So yeah, that's a fun one. Um. And I guess we can start with something that's a little close to my heart, or start end with something here that's a little close to my heart before we get back into Star Wars, and that is Basic Adventuring 101 and LARPing. So tell us your experience with both of those things. Uh, well, I started LARPing when it was a new hobby in Finland, at least. I found my old character sheets, and they were from 1997. Mm-hmm. So that's when I went into, I think I played in three LARPs and I wrote one. Oh, cool. But around that time I realized that person who is a really big introvert and a shy person like myself, laughing is not probably the best hobby to be in. Mm. <laughs> so I kind of stopped it. Like it's, I have never LARPed, but, um, and I'll transition into Basic Adventuring 101, I am on a web series where it's about kind of the introduction of LARP, LARP into people. Um, Basic Adventuring 101, I'll do, I'll do the, the elevator pitch, is, is a show where you have a new character named Karen, who is played by Kristen Brumley, the executive producer, uh, who is going to a LARP for the first time. Her sister is already a member of this troupe called the Foxdales, 
that consists of a ranger who has been playing forever, a paladin who knows the rules forwards and backwards, and a uh, uber role playing uh, um, druid who it's all about the role play for her, and then her sister who's the rogue who's the smartass. And she doesn't know what she's doing, and she's kind of brought into the Foxdales to be a part of the group. And and the premise of the show is it shows people both in kind of what real LARP looks like and what LARP is in your head canon. So when they're within the game, all the costuming, all the makeup, all the swords, everything is like hyper great. Like those swords are real swords. I can attest to that. Um, and but when you take us out of game, everything looks a little bit more cheesy or more more realistic, if you will, in some regards. Like my character, when I'm in game, I have like super cool makeup and and all this sort of stuff around me. But when I'm out of game, I'm wearing a cheesy little goblin mask. And uh, yeah. but that's that's on purpose. And the reason being, and JP will know this better than I will, is that when you're an NPC, so a non-player character, uh, you 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 wear many hats, you do many roles. So I could have been the goblin shaman there for you know that 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 little bit, but then I would go and I would do another role later. Um, so I have to be able to go from role to role, so I can't really be done up uh, to the nth degree, if you will, uh, while I'm doing these sort of things. But uh, so that's basic adventuring 101. Um, as someone who's never LARPed, I can't really speak much to what it's like to LARP in real life. But most of the cast LARPs, and it is something that. Uh, uh, cast and crew that they love to do and it's something they're they're big fans of yeah i think that's one of the differences between american style and european style lapping okay i don't know if it has changed in the past 20 years but uh, when i played there were no npcs everybody had a, a player character ah, okay. there really were no even a sort of dungeon master or or anything like that. There was there were people who organized the lab who were there if there were any conflicts or something they had to sort out. But right. even they usually had a character they played. Okay. And it, it was a, that just that one character who had a name, and there weren't really orc NPCs who were nameless basically at all. Right, right. So it's I think that. They, I, I see that there's a lot of conflict online between American and European style LARPing and people claim that one is better than the other but I think it's just a matter of taste what kind of gaming do you like and yeah. also the European style games I think still are longer events that are sort of one of games usually mm. and the basic advent, adventuring 101 describes i think a lot that you have the character for maybe years who plays to these scenarios right right like the ranger character who has been doing it forever <laughs> as they describe yeah. um yeah so, so that's true i mean i i don't know obviously but from what i've heard there's a bunch of type of larps and i, I i've i've seen the infighting between the north american and the european larping uh, ideologies really when it comes down to it don't invite just you know go and play and love what you love the, especially the LARPing community does not need to have civil wars <laughs> let's yeah. you know be united have a united front and you know the I think shows like BA 101 and and you know LARPs the series and a bunch of other shows that are really showing that yes people who LARP are can be completely normal human beings as well 
they just have this hobby that they love and and you know they larpers in general in the geek community are like the the redheaded stepchildren they're the ones that are like oh you know yeah I, I play world of warcraft but at least i don't larp you know sort of idea <laughs> yeah um and it's like you know what no no that that's you don't draw that line that that line does does not you don't get that that ability is everybody just loves something um that's yeah. what, what being a geek is about and if you know they love larping then that's what they love and that's that's that so um i, I kind of it, it hurts me to see the infighting like I, I, I'm exposed to some of this stuff now. Like there was, I've seen some Nero fightings. I don't know much about what Nero is, but I do know it's one of the bigger ones. But it's also got a horrible reputation about, you know, these sort of things. You know, infighting and just nasty organizers. And I don't know. Again, I'm talking out my ass. What do I know? Let's get back to, uh, to, to Star Wars and wrap this up then. So... What is your take on the extended universe? The, the books, the legends, the comics, spoofs, fan films, all of that? Oh, I haven't really been a big fan of the extended universe, okay. if I'm honest. I've read a few books and I've read a few comics, but that's pretty much it. I've always been really just a fan of the original movies. Fair enough, not a problem. Um, how about the video games? Have you played any of the video games? Oh yeah, I've played a bunch of those, Knights of the Old Republic and the older ones, Dark Forces games, Dark Forces, that were basically nice. first person shooters, I really liked those. The Star, the Stormtrooper ones, that was, I think Dark Forces was the very first game I downloaded with a friend of mine, he, he had a 14.4 a modem and we'd found a place to download this game and uh, it took a day and a half. <laughs> Or something download it yeah it was one of the first games that came out on cd only and that was actually the game that made me buy a cd drive for my pc mm. back then yeah yeah it was i i actually really dark dark forces i i've played a lot of the video games i'm actually itching to get back into uh um the mmo um old republic old republic so um to, yeah, the old republic. I I think my buddy Elias has got back into it, and you know, Kristen kind of always floats around. And I I've been playing the the Mass Effect games on my my stream lately, but you know, there's only three out right now. I don't think Andromeda is going to be released by the time I'm done three. So um, I'll probably need some more sci-fi in my life. So I might go back to uh, the old republic at that point. Uh, but the Disney area era. Let's just kind of wrap up on this. Um, how, what's your take on, on on Disney now being the controlling force of, of the Star Wars universe? Well, at least it's out of George's hands. That's the good thing. <laughs> I I heard about the plans George had for episode seven, eight, and nine. He was going to do them, I think, a few years ago, and the idea was that he would like to take the Star Wars again into a different direction. That would be a family soap kind of thing okay and that sounded really awful <laughs> so mm. i'm happy that disney bought it and is going in in their own direction now and i think it, they are trying to be faithful to the original movies and that's a good thing yeah I, I have no problem with disney either i mean disney basically breathed life into a corpse that had a few breaths left in it you know and um i i wanted george to do seven eight and nine before he did one two and three i wanted him to to finish his story but he didn't really want to it seemed like he was kind of wanting to but not really wanting to and 
you know, I've, the Mark Hamill um, Q&A I was talking to you about earlier, um, Mark told the story where, you know, George had promised them that there was going to be no more movies after the prequels. And they're like, and you guys aren't even in the prequels. So you don't even have to worry about those. So basically he had called Harrison, Carey, and Mark to dinner. And, and Mark's like, you, you, can't, you can't bring your wife. And, or at least if you do, they, they can't eat with us. They have to eat elsewhere. Mark's kind of like, that's weird. <laughs> but, you know, so they, they sat down, just the four of them, and it's like, the, you know, they kind of just were eating quietly, and then he just said, well, I'm selling the company to Disney. They're doing more movies. If you guys want in, you're welcome to it, but if you want to be written out, we can do that. And they all just kind of stopped and, and, and paused, and were just staring and going, huh, trying to soak it all in, and out of nowhere, Carrie's like, I'm in! <laughs> And, and she goes, is there a part for Billy, who is her daughter? Um, and, and Mark says, he turns to Carrie, he says, digest this a little bit, won't you? <laughs> Take it back, think about it. This is a big thing. Just, nope, don't care. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and I think one of the reasons that Harrison Ford came back to episode seven was that they would kill off <laughs> Han Solo character. I'm pretty sure Does that he... was his one and only stipulation. Um, yeah, I think so too. That was in the contract. You have to kill me. That's the only reason I'm going coming back for one movie. And I have no problem with Harrison on that because like he wanted Han Solo killed at the end of uh, Return of the Jedi. He didn't believe Han Solo served any further purpose in the world, and honestly believed that that should be it. That's it. No more Han Solo. Um, but George disagreed, as you know, often he did on the on the Han Solo character with Harrison. Um, yeah, again, in the making of book, the uh, George Lucas talked about uh, the death of Han Solo in in the early parts of uh, Return of the Jedi, I think. Mm-hmm. And the one they needed somebody to replace Han Solo, and that was um, Lando. Yeah. So originally, Lando was written as a replacement for Han Solo. Right. Well, you know. I'm glad they kept him because I think he he had the death that he needed. Um, it's kind of weird that they've announced that all the actors, all the actors, are going to be back for the next installment. So I'm like, well, maybe they'll be flashing back with with Harrison. You know, he yeah. no longer has to worry about his character moving forward anymore. It's just a matter of filling gaps now. Um, but I think it needed to happen. I, I'm of the opinion all all the big three will all die. I think they'll kill off Carrie. I think they'll kill off Mark as well. Um, yeah, I think so. And I knew they were going to kill off Harrison. I mean, the, how else are you going to get Harrison Ford to agree to, to, to be Han Solo one last time? You give him what he always wanted. You know, Han Solo's death. And make it meaningful, right? Make yeah. it worth something. Make it be an arc that launches the Kylo Ren character into the next level. Yeah. So I, I have no problem with the death of Han Solo. Um, I know a lot of people are mourning the character, and I'm like, I'll mourn it when they kill Luke, and they'll probably kill Luke in the next one. I'll be honest. I, I think that's when we'll see the death of Luke Skywalker. Um, yeah, I think so. The how close the Episode Seven plot was to New Hope. Yep. It was quite similar, so I think they are going to do the same with the Empire Strikes Back uh, or Episode Eight. I, and well, Empire Strikes Back. The the only way to get Rey to stand on her own, and it was the reason why they did the move, the first movie as they did, is they wanted you know everybody to fall in love with the character of Rey, which we did. Done. Perfect. Yeah. They knew if they brought in Mark for more of that movie, 
that that would not have happened that people would again have gravitated towards the luke skywalker character and every right that jj and his writing partner did that was exactly what happened is ray wasn't the main character luke was the main character no matter how they tried to write it everything came back to luke so that what you do is you take luke pretty much out of the story which i thought was perfect now you're gonna have a whole dose of mark in the second movie but i'm pretty sure that 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 in order for Rey to stand out her own, it's the, it's the, they've been doing it for years. I mean, it's the way they had Luke Skywalker stand on his own two feet. It's the way they had Harry Potter stand, stand on his own two feet. Is you have to kill the mentors. That is how the thing has to play out. So I fully anticipate a death of Luke Skywalker rather by Snoke. Or I'm hoping it's not Kylo Ren personally because there's always the redemption storyline for Kylo Ren in there. Um but Luke's going to die in episode 8, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and I think it would be weird to Kylo Ren to kill all the main characters, basically. Spread them out to other people, please. You, you need to create, a, like, a uber bad guy. And Kylo Ren is not an uber bad guy yet. Kylo Ren still is what behind the ears. He lost a lightsaber battle to somebody who was in her first lightsaber battle. Um, and uh, I think it's got to yeah, be Snoke. Yeah. Personally. Yeah, I think with Kylo, he didn't finish his Jedi training again, and he's really arrogant. Mm-hmm. And basically, he has been the main baddie of the universe for the past 10 years or something. Mm-hmm. So I think he's really arrogant in his power, and now he gets confronted by this girl who is supposedly really, really strong mm-hmm. in the Force, and knows how to use a melee weapon, and he just flat out loses to her. So, so, I've been hearing some fan theories about Rey, and I finally have heard one that I believe to be true, because it actually closes the gap on something very specific for me that bothered me. Who do you think Rey is? Well, there are lots of different opinions and theories and rumors. I one of the interesting ones is that she is a Kenobi right and I hope that's true I do too that's one my wife actually spun up and I I hope that's true too but it's not what my top theory is oh and other theory was that she is Luke's clone that she's been cloned from the hand they found on Bespin oh I haven't heard that one yet that's also a very good one and of course that she's Luke's daughter right main one I think that people are betting on but the I think some of the I don't remember if it was JJ or, or one of the producers who said that you are thinking too much of the parents that it's not really the point of the movies so it might be that she's just an unknown just somebody it could be is, you know. however and you wouldn't know this because you haven't seen it yet but her fighting style with Kylo Ren was very unique she yep. had she had a very thrusting fight style, which looks really stupid, frankly. Um, but they they committed to it, and you have to think in in a movie like this that that is not something that was just done that that had to have a purpose. There's only one other person that fights with that same thrust style, and that's Palpatine. Oh yeah. So if if you see the Palpatine in you know the the end of episode three of see Palpatine in the Clone Wars when he actually does fight with the Sabres that's his fighting style so because of that fact alone 
and the fact that clearly she comes from a family that's strong in the force. Yeah. Um, and in the juxtaposition where you have Kylo Ren fall from the ultimate heroes to have Rey come from the ultimate villain, I think would be just apropos. Yeah, that's interesting. So I, I like the clone, the hand clone thing because of the lightsabers being brought into the mix and it's talking to her and it's you're the next, you know, your journey begins. You know, that's that little thing that uh, Ewan McGregor actually says at the end of when she, when she touches the lightsaber. Um, yeah. The clone hand thing, I like that idea too, but um, I, I like the Palpatine idea personally. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, but I think the fighting style might be just that she's used to fighting with the long staff, and maybe the fight choreographer take that as a cue that she right. also tries to stab with the lightsaber. And and when I when I first watched it, I had a very similar thought. It's like this could just be nothing. This could be just the the best way Daisy could do it. This is what the choreographer thought would work best with the the dance with with Adam Driver. Um, but then you, you got to think in a movie with this much attention, that that small little detail—that's your hint—and and it could be grasping at straws. But um, I heard maybe this... also maybe the fight choreographer might not know that the did did the producers and writers tell the fight choreographer guy that he has to fight in the similar way that Palpatine would fight. Right. And but that might be. It could be. I don't know. It could be. It's just. It could be. That that thrust style is not a very, from from a fighting style standpoint, not very good, because you're leaving yourself wide open to attacks the whole time, and she yeah. here she is in her first fight with a, you know, Sith or whatever, and yeah. she's doing this thrust Knights style. Of Ren or whatever. Yeah, and she's doing this thrust style and she's kicking the shite out of him, so it's kind of like eh. anyway. Just yeah. good fan theories. I actually really want the Kenobi theory to be true. Um, I remember I was watching Clone Wars and, and Obi-Wan has a love interest in the Clone Wars. So, I mean, I'm not okay. going to do any spoiling for those who haven't seen it, including yourself. But um, there is a love interest, so I would like it to be a Kenobi. Um, the hand clone thing, though, I, I, I totally see that too because they've got the lightsaber, so the hand was attached to the lightsaber. Uh, yeah. but anyway. And there's cloning in Star Wars Universe anyway. Yeah, Caminos, they clone. That's their thing. Um, so it's quite possible. Yeah, one of the things that I think it was Lawrence Kasdan who said that the Star Wars universe will get weird or something to that effect. So it might be that one of the really weird fan theories end up being true. true. Yeah, it could be that or it could be a hybrid between a couple of them. Like if you're, if you're a cloner and you have Luke's hand and perhaps you have, you know, Darth... Uh, what was his Darth name? Darth Sidious's DNA somehow. Maybe you make a hybrid of the two. Who knows? Yeah. Interesting thoughts. But uh, that that's for that's for us to as fans get to sit there and um, and enjoy as a story. Like I'm not into spoiling. These are obviously just fan theories based on nothing but what we have seen visually. There yeah. it, there is absolutely no spoilers in any of these things. I don't have inside knowledge. JP does not have inside knowledge. <laughs> I'm okay with that. If you know the answer, like. I actually had the Han Solo death spoiled for me. I saw the movie on the second night, and it still got spoiled for me. So, oh. And I was yeah, because so it, I think it was released in Europe uh, three or four days earlier. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I, I'd stayed off of social media that whole week. Uh, I literally went into Twitch 
for 10 minutes to say goodbye to Zach because Zach was it was his last day at uh, Geek and Sundry and he was going to Hyper RPG in that 10 minutes somebody in the chat spoiled the Han Solo thing for me oh yeah so. I was really careful actually I because I wanted to avoid the spoilers there's no or there were no movie theaters last Christmas in my little hometown right so I couldn't see it here and I was planning on going seeing it with my friends into the bigger city that weekend mm -hmm. but I was afraid of the spoilers so I hunted down a movie theater on the Swedish side of the border <laughs> I had no idea where the closest movie theater there was there was but I found one and I went to see it there on the opening night just to avoid the spoilers and then I saw it another time with my friends over the weekend very cool so happy all right guys well let's wrap this up shall we i would like to thank my guest my guest jp Rickath, for joining us here for our fourth episode of force ghost thank you very much jp i know we've been trying to get this scheduled for a while yeah since uh, you started basically yeah pretty much uh where can people find you on the internet well uh, mostly they can find me on twitter i'm jp underscore rakath there and i have my my Tumblr channels. I think you could put a link of them somewhere. It's the main one I have where I have all my fan art. There's the un another one with the, all the X Files Buffy webcomic mm -hmm. stuff. Yep. And I think I have a third one I made for the Sunnydale Study Group fan art. Right. And all three of these tumblers are outstanding. JP's work with with uh, Photoshop is incredible. My name is Blair Beverage. You can find me at Blair Beverage on the Twitters. I'm also at Webisode Watch and at Hoopod. Hoopod is the other uh, podcast that you will find on this channel where we interview people within the Team Human community. Um, you can find me on YouTube. Uh, if you search for Blair Beverage, you'll find me. I thought I was YouTube.com slash Blair Beverage. That works for me. Apparently, it doesn't work for anyone else. But um, if you click the link in the description or just search on my name, you will find me. Um, I haven't done a lot of videos lately. Uh, I don't know. I'm kind of preferring this medium, this podcasting medium for now. But I'll get back into videos, I'm sure. Things ebb and they flow. That's how it works. Um, you can uh, find me at whopod.podbean.com if podbeating is your thing. Uh, Facebook, I have a fan page. Uh, I think it's Beverage on the Tube or something. Just search for my name, you'll find it. But uh, that's about it. That's, uh, oh, wait. Basic Adventuring 101. Almost missed it. I play the Goblin Shaman on Basic Adventuring 101. You will find us at basicadventuring101.com or on YouTube under Cake Gollum Productions. Um, we have seven of our eight episodes have already aired in Season 1. Uh, the eighth is coming. I'm not quite sure the release date on that yet, but uh, hopefully soon. In between the gaps, we are doing live streams where we talk to people um, about uh, our projects and all this other sort of jazz, but now that the Google Hangout medium is done, uh, we're, we're still all as a group, I think, trying to figure out YouTube Live. So <laughs> once we got that figured out, we'll, we'll kind of do the last couple episodes leading into the 8th. Uh, I will appear in the 8th episode. Um, I'm going to say at the end, I'm, I'm going to be very facetious with that, but um, there, there's the 8th episode is really good and uh, is, is probably one of my favorites that, uh, that throughout the whole series, and um, I'm hoping you guys enjoy it. So I would, again, like to thank my guest, J.P. Rakath, and until next time, guys, may the Force be with you.